0: to the Mad Max minute where we carefully reach for what hides beneath Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior 1 minute at a time. I'm Rick
1: and I'm Julia. And
0: today we're talking about minute 12. Which begins with the gyro captain pointing a crossbow at Max, and it ends with Max turning off the explosive booby trap under his car. So Max has found himself in quite the precarious position held up by the gyro captain, who has sprung forth from the earth, wielding a crossbow, and he has Max in his sights. So if Max does not want to become skewered by a crossbow bolt, he needs to act very carefully. And as he's standing there with his hands up, stared down by the gyro captain, captain the captain starts asking questions he says ah v8 huh and i find it interesting that one of the first things that the gyro captain says to max is to ask him if his car is a v8 and what i find interesting about is that the gyro captain has not looked at the interceptor yet he hasn't turned around to look at the black on black as of yet And so the only way that he would have been able to identify the V8 engine is by sound. And it stands to reason that someone who has lived in the wasteland for so long would be able to identify different engines based on sound alone.
1: Absolutely. That seems very plausible to me.
0: Like, if you're camped out somewhere and you hear things approaching, well, it's useful to know how big those engines are so that you know if you can outrun them or not.
1: Yes. And if you have if you have a a companion who with their own vehicle, you probably even get to know the sound of their vehicle approaching. Mm
0: -hmm. Because engine size, exhaust setup, a lot of those things will alter how a car sounds.
1: Yeah. It's like knowing who's coming down the stairs Mm -hmm. by by the sound of their footsteps. Yep. Very identifiable.
0: Exactly. It's a very useful skill to have. Absolutely. And I'm definitely not going to uh, refute that. I jumped on YouTube to listen to engine noises. And it's an interesting venture when you jump on YouTube and you start punching things into the search bar. And a lot of it was very simple, you know, V8 engine noise. And then I get to watch a five, six minute video of just engine, engine noise. noise. It's very interesting venture. I, I sometimes will go back and I will look at my search history and I'm like, oh yeah, I was definitely preparing for Mad Max Minute there. But what I noticed, just watching a few videos, differences between V6s and V8s is that V6s, they have a higher register. V8s, because there's more cylinders and a lot of the times those cylinders require larger exhaust systems and so they have a much deeper register. And the black on black is very similar to that it's got a nice strong rumble to it. I wouldn't say it's like a diesel engine, which has a much different sound, but it's got a setup where if you hear the black-on-black approaching, you hear that rumble to it, and you can easily point out, oh yeah, that's got to be a V8. And so the question here is like, ah, yeah, must be a V8 without even having to look at it. And so he's asking him this question in reference to, ah, it looks like I have some fuel. V8, huh? And so Max fires back with booby-trapped. Touch those tanks and... Like, he doesn't say boom. He doesn't say it'll explode. He does this little mouth sound.
1: Yeah, I... I did kind of wonder if, is he trying to explain it in a simple manner
0: because
1: (laughs) he thinks he's talking to a simple person?
0: I think he wants to use as little flowery language as possible. Just be very blunt about it. It's like, if you try and take my gas cap off without my permission, you are going to explode. Like, that car is going to blow you up, sucker. So don't even try it. And...
1: Is that the first line that we hear Max say in the entire movie?
0: You know, it just might be. Let me do a quick search. I don't...
1: I think that Max has spoken before now. And it's also possible that the line, paraphrasing, drop the snake, is the first line of the movie. Aside from the opening narration. That doesn't look
0: Yeah, good. the opening narration is the first... Speech. 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 But as far as the first dialogue, the actual spoken line of a character in the movie that's not the narrator... Yeah, Drop the Snake is the first line of the movie, uh, spoken by an actual character. Which
1: was 11 minutes in.
0: Yep. And then Booby Trapped, Touch Those Tanks, and is Mel Gibson's first line in this movie.
1: (laughs) All right. Minute
0: 12. In minute 12, his first word is (laughs) booby. Yep. Okay. Nothing but maturity on this show.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Maturity and professionalism.
1: (laughs) the the first movie we in analyzing it Actually made a, a big deal About how little dialogue There is in the movie mm-hmm. And so do The behind the scenes Documentaries Of both the first movie And the second movie It's it was, The the silence Is almost a character Right It, it says just as much As the, the dialogue does
0: It's also a feature And one of the main reasons The Mad Max series Is so popular abroad Is that there is So little dialogue In these better movies There's a ton of dialogue In Thunderdome Compared to these first two Yeah But that's because there's, like, a million characters.
1: Yeah. You can't keep them all quiet.
0: But you reduce the amount of dialogue, and you reduce the amount of subtitles you have to throw in, and you reduce the amount of... Dubbing. That you have to do in foreign countries. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper and a lot easier to push it abroad.
1: Yes. So I noticed that they kind of... Front loaded this movie with a lot of dialogue free scenes. Mm-hmm. This is already the third scene of the movie, more or less, and we're just now getting our first dialogue. Right. So they took that idea that was so successful in the first movie, and they're like, "All right, well, we're going to start out with this. We're going to lead with this, <laughs> yeah. and a car chase."
0: Because it's always those good were to the start best
1: parts of the first movie was the the lack of dialogue and the car chases. Yeah. So that's what we're going to start with in the second movie.
0: So. So in response to Max telling the gyro captain that his car is booby trapped, the captain fires back with booby trap back up. He's going to walk him back to the black on black so he can take care of it. As they're walking back to the car, the gyro captain has to step over the divot that he was lying in. And as I was looking at that, I had a thought of how quickly this movie would have been drastically altered if instead of parking so far away from the autogyro, if Max had pulled up alongside the gyrocopter and uh-huh. unwittedly run over the gyro captain.
1: Yes. I'm surprised <laughs> that that is a risk that the captain hasn't thought of.
0: And yeah. he hasn't
1: taken precautions against. Like, dig his hole, like, on the... I don't know, just, like, at a different <laughs> angle than right outside. I like, yeah, right on the exposed side of mm-hmm. the the gyrocopter. I, I don't know. It's just... He's saying, awfully lucky.
0: There's a risk involved when you bury yourself in shallow dirt, lying in wait to spring out at someone, that someone could just step on you. Like, if Max had... Taken a few steps to one side, he would have stepped right on top of the gyro captain.
1: Yeah, so much for the element of surprise.
0: I think if you successfully want to do this type of ambush, you should take a note from the book of the trapdoor spider and you should, you know, have an actual large pit that you sit in with a trapdoor on top. That way, there's a nice hard surface. For people to step on.
1: Yeah, but when you step on it, wouldn't it sound hollow? Yeah. But by then it'd be too late. Exactly. All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it. I, I, I'd rather not talk about... Spiders? No, I'd rather not talk about lying in wait for to ambush people. Because we'd spent a lot of time talking about that yesterday, even if it wasn't only a minute or two. We did. So, what I find interesting about the gyro captain's response to being told that the gas tanks are booby-trapped, he almost seems... I'm trying to think of the the right way to word this. He seems not necessarily surprised, but sort of like...
1: He has to change his strategy.
0: He's he's like...
1: Which he does very quickly.
0: He's like frustrated. He's a booby trap. That type of thing.
1: Yeah. And he he immediately has a plan for how he's going to navigate around that.
0: Yeah, he's got... In the
1: same breath, he starts telling Max to back up towards the
0: car. Like, he's got to tell Max to disable it. But it's like, the way he says it, it's almost like he didn't expect there to be a booby trap. On the gas tanks where it's like, why isn't that like a normal thing for every single car ever in the wasteland? Why aren't all of the vehicles booby-trapped this way? I mean, we've only seen two other cars in this movie so far. The Landau and the dune buggy. And when the dune buggy sprung a leak, it was because the gas tank had cracked. We didn't see... Max actually take anything from the land out, but you can assume that he opened up their gas tank and siphoned out the gasoline and the way that the gyro captain says booby trap. It's almost like he didn't expect that to be a thing that he would find on Max's car and it's like, well, like how what why wouldn't he?
1: I think that the movie is telling us that Max is smarter than most of the people around him.
0: He's like Yogi Bear, he's smarter than the average wastelander. Yes. That makes sense.
1: Which is a little, oh, what's the what's the trope? Is it um a Mary
0: a Mary Sue? A
1: Mary Sue. He he's almost becoming a little Mary Sue yeah that everything we see him do he's the best at mm-hmm. which is really annoying i mean in the last movie we were are shown that he's the best officer and he drives the best and and now we're being shown that he's also the smartest mm-hmm. and we've already seen how he drives the best he saved his life his driving skills
0: I think the thing that keeps Max from being a total Mary Sue, because he does seem like the kind of character that if George Miller was writing a self-insert fantasy about being in the wasteland and he was envisioning himself as Max, he would, of course, want to be the absolute best. And there are instances in this movie that we're going to see where Max is like, take the audio from our intro, as an example. If you want to get out of here, you talk to me. Like, there are instances where he knows exactly what he's doing and he's the best at what he does, but there are a lot of instances is also in this movie where he's caught unawares yes. and he's overwhelmed and he's defeated in a way like not so much that he doesn't bounce back from it but he faces obstacles that get the best of him and i think that's what really keeps him from being from
1: being a Mary unstoppable Sue. yes
0: and of course you know he's got his flaws he's got his loner streak and he doesn't trust people
1: absolutely
0: you know it's 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 a bit of a flaw in his character that mm. he just he isn't willing to work together with people, but that's another thing for another oh, I'm time. I'm sure
1: we will get into that down
0: the road. Oh yeah, wait for the credits to roll around. We'll do a lot of thought provoking <sighs> questions again.
1: So the captain is leading him towards the car to disable the booby trap, mm-hmm. and he kind of starts yammering on a little bit. Yeah, it's like he's he's the complete opposite of Max. Who says nothing until he has to say something And then we've got this gyro captain Who seems to love to talk
0: Oh yeah He's definitely an antithetical character to Max And how he behaves and how he thinks Which is
1: one of the joys of having him around Yeah (laughs) <laughs> why you like him as a character is that he's not max
0: absolutely so as they're walking back to the car he says oh you crafty little man you and then we get a, a wide shot where max is continuing to walk back towards the back of the car and the gyro captain keeps his crossbow pointed at him and says you're quick very quick never seen a man beat the snake before and then he says who are you and i'm like why would you ask <laughs> such a pointless question i have a thing i There is a a stick that gets in my craw and I get bent out of shape every time you see this in a movie where character A asks character B, who are you? When the honest answer from character B would mean absolutely nothing to character A. Like there is slim to no chance that the gyro captain pre-collapse lived in the Melbourne area and knew anything about Max. As an MFP officer. So if Max fired back with the answer, who are you? Well, I'm Max Rokitansky. That means nothing to the gyro captain. And I mean, you can even extend it to, who are you? Well, I'm an ex-MFP officer. That mean that's gibberish to the gyro captain.
1: Right. It, it does not mean anything anymore.
0: Because... The MFP officers, there was such a wide swath of them, like none of them were like any of the others. And so it's not like you can point and say, oh, well, if you were an MFP officer, you must be like this, because all of the MFP officers we saw, completely different. Mm -hmm. Roop was not the same as Charlie. Sars was not the same as Fifi. They were all different. And Goose was in a category all his own.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, he was. I love it that you don't like this. I
0: It's one of those movie tropes that I just do not enjoy seeing.
1: Because I love this. I love <laughs> it that he asks who he is. Okay. Because it made me think about reputation, and he is expecting to know this man by reputation because he's so quick. That made me think about gunslingers in the Old West. Mm-hmm. How the these men who may or may not have actually done anything had this this huge reputation and were known all over for being quick. Exactly the same thing as Max. He was fast. Mm-hmm. And this gun, this idea of the gunslinger in the, the old West movies serves as a mirror image of the hero as like the evil version. So that made me think about Max and how we don't really know yet where he falls. On that line. Is he the hero or is he the mirror image of the hero?
0: Yeah. If you are coming in fresh to the Road Warrior, the only thing you know about Max is that he is the Road Warrior because that's what it's stated yes. in the opener. Yes. You know from the opener that he was a man beaten and abused by the maelstrom of chaos after the end of the world. He lost his family, and that's really it, you know? You kind of get the hint of, okay, maybe he was a cop type of thing. But at the same time, you don't really know, Max, the way that someone who saw the first movie would know Max.
1: Yes. And we we don't even really know him the way other people in the wasteland might know him. You never know. He could say, he could be asked, who are you? And he could use his nickname, the Road Warrior, which uh, at this point in the movie, I don't think he has that nickname. Or he could call himself Mad Max. The gyro captain might recognize that name.
0: Uh, uh...
1: You never know. It does seem very old, old American West.
0: Yeah, I just... I look at this situation, and I'm like, yeah, it's such a dumb question. It's like, <laughs> who are you? Oh, I'm a space alien from Zebrox 5. And it's like, what? No, that's that. so dumb that he I would ask that. I love the
1: idea of Max replying, I am the road warrior. And... <laughs> which sounds <not> really pretentious. <laughs> it's so but, pretentious. <laughs> it's like, the, who are you? you know, I'm
0: Star-Lord. <laughs> who?
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Star-Lord, man. Like, the... I love that Guardians of the Galaxy addressed this issue because I feel like they did it right.
1: Right. Nicknames aren't necessarily universally known. Yeah.
0: You know, and...
1: And a... A man who lives by reputation, but has no reputation. Yeah.
0: And I love it. In that movie, he says, oh, I'm Star-Lord. And the bad guy is like, who? And he's like, you know, legendary outline. It's like, well, obviously not legendary enough for someone to recognize you. And it's like, Max doesn't seem like the kind of person that would want to drum up a huge reputation. I think Max just wants to exist.
1: I'm not sure he has the choice. I mean, he has at least two nicknames by the end of this movie of Mad Max, which we're not sure anybody actually in the movie, in-universe calls him Mad Max, or if that's just the production nickname. It's,
0: I think it's just the ma- the, the movie. The,
1: the movie. But he's also called the Road Warrior. So, you know, we, I think we missed an opportunity in this moment to find out whether or not he is known rep- by reputation. Yeah, I mean. If he had replied, I'm the Road Warrior, I'm Max, Rokotansky, or something, replied with some identifying name, maybe the gyro captain did hear of him.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he does
1: have a reputation.
0: The only thing the gyro captain really knows is that Max has reflexes. Yeah, that's what he's got. And then he says, me, I got brains.
1: Okay, for a guy who has brains, not recognize that Max also has brains... Because he booby trapped his car I think it's a failing
0: um, In my notes I say that the captain's got brains But he doesn't have nerve Like he's very squirrely in he, this minute
1: He is very squirrely
0: And like I said he's probably just trying to Shake the sand out of his outfit But at the same time he also seems Very like on edge Like oh excited
1: Yeah as far as first impressions go I don't know I'm not that afraid of him
0: No I'm mean, certainly not if afraid If I were
1: in Max's position I, I would still be afraid Because because he's got a crossbow pointed at me. And he doesn't seem exactly stable. So I would be more afraid. Yeah. But, like, he's not an intimidating guy. I don't he's really. kind of goofy.
0: I mean, the bright colors definitely don't help. No. As far as the color of his Never outfit. Never
1: be afraid of somebody in pink shoes.
0: <laughs> so Max gets led around to the back of the Black on Black. And he kneels down and he reaches up under the car. And the gyro captain moves around behind Max to just... Keep the crossbow pointed at Max. Make sure that he doesn't have any sort of cover that he can duck behind. And we get a quick shot under the car where Max has the disarming slash arming mechanism for the booby trap. But right next to it is a small, I'd say like a small machete or a large knife. Mm -hmm. One of those qualifiers there. And he's got it sheathed up under there. And instead of going right for the switch, he goes for the knife and he puts his hand around that. Because And he starts pulling it out. <laughs> we cut outside the car again. And the gyro captain is standing kind of far away. But he gets a little nervous. And he gets right up against Max's neck. And he says, hey, a fella, a quick fella, might have a weapon under there. And I'd have to pin his head to the panel. As he says, pin his head to the panel, he's got that crossbow right up against Max's neck. Yeah. And we cut back under the car and there's like a beat where Max still has his hand on the knife. And then he, after that beat, just pushes the knife back into the sheath. Yes. Almost like he's considering it for a moment. like Yeah, thinking,
1: he's taking okay. a moment to figure out if he can take this guy.
0: Like, can I pull my head to the side in such a way that he misfires? And the bolt just goes by me. Because the thing about crossbows is, if you are in close proximity to the person you're shooting at, and you miss, that crossbow is now a club. (laughs) Right. You get one good shot with a crossbow, and unless you're really practiced at reloading it, which, who knows, maybe the gyro captain's really good at reloading crossbows, but with how fast Max is, if Max is able to dodge that crossbow bolt and get that knife out, yeah, gyro captain's done for. And so if gyro captain had not closed that distance and gotten right up on Max, Mm -hmm. you know, Max probably could have fainted him out one way. Caused him to fire the crossbow, gotten him to miss, and then, you know, even playing field, so to speak.
1: Yes, but he makes the intelligent decision to bide his time. Right. And so he he disarms the trap, and it, what happens next is kind of cut off by the end of the minute, but he yeah. kind of makes for the driver's side door, it seems.
0: So the way this minute ends is we see him turn off the switch, and then we get, like, two frames. Like, it's, it's a quick snap of the next shot, where it shows him, you know, at the back of the car, and he's kind of like putting his hands up as he pulls his other hand out.
1: Okay, so we'll leave all that for
0: yeah. tomorrow. He's going to stand up and start moving tomorrow. Okay. We don't get to see that today. That's something else. It's just the way the the edits fell. As I was cutting up these minutes, we just see the tiniest little snippet of Him at the back of the car After he switched off the the booby trap there
1: So what do you think of this booby trap?
0: So we really get to see it in action Later on in the movie And we'll be able to make a better assessment Of exactly functionally Mechanically how it works But theoretically I think it's A really good spot To hide the switch for a booby trap I like the idea that If anyone tries to open the gas tanks Without Max's approval That the whole car blows up Because I feel like Max is the kind of person where if you can get close enough to his car to steal his gasoline, then he's not doing his job right. Like, he and the Black on Black are two halves of a whole. And he is so important to his car and the car is so important to him that if he was ever in a situation where he was separated from his car and someone had the opportunity to open up his gas tank to try and steal his fuel...
1: He'd rather the...
0: He'd rather the whole thing go up in flame. Yeah. Because it would mean that he is... Separated or kept from that car In a meaningful enough way You know what I mean? Mm, Good point It also kind of goes with the whole If I can't have it No one can have it mentality
1: (laughs) Well, in the wasteland You gotta be selfish Yeah Because it's your life or their life
0: It's an interesting On a daily basis idea that Max is willing to, you know, blow up his car if anyone starts messing with it. But like I said, I just don't think he would ever think of a situation where he would be, you know, parking it somewhere and going off somewhere else. Like he's always going to be right next to his car or moving in his car.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, I have a concern. The switch that he flipped seemed pretty low key. Mm -hmm. Like, like a rock could fly up. And hit that switch.
0: Well, from what I was seeing, it didn't seem like the switch was loose or easy to flip because he kind of does a slow pull on it and it kind of goes click, click, click type of thing.
1: Okay. So you think it had some more strength behind it?
0: Exactly. I think it's... That a rock couldn't. hit it
1: the right way and it would flip.
0: Right. I don't see that as an issue. Okay. I have a little more trust in Max than that. (laughs) I, yes.
1: <laughs> I, I would probably would like to see some sort of cover.
0: Mm-hmm. Like a little fuse box lid that he would flip open and then the and then, switch would be inside.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Just a little bit of protection because, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, all the driving around that he does, it's a very dusty environment. Kicking all of that dust up, I think you risk the the components getting gummed up with dust and I don't know it just seems like it should be more protected than it
0: is (laughs) I hear what you're saying I
1: mean it's the thing that will blow up the car yeah So why don't you take a little bit more precaution?
0: Yeah, it does kind of strike you as the kind of thing that, you know, maybe hide it in a panel inside the cab of the car, like maybe in the glove box or something like that. Do they call it the glove box in Australia? I think they might call it the jockey box. I don't know. Australian listeners, what do you call glove boxes? Those little compartments in front of the passenger side seat. Let me know. (laughs) Go to the listeners page. Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone.
1: I'm trying to think of a different place that might make more strategic sense than underneath the back bumper.
0: Mhm. Cuz it actually Why put it there? It actually kind of looks like it's up inside yeah. almost like mounted to the bottom of the tanks. So it's not even like close to the ground like it's down behind that bumper panel and he has to reach up.
1: Yeah. That does it. simplify all of the components involved.
0: Right. Like if you're going to trigger it's not an explosion. Like we're
1: running wires to the front of the car so it could be near the driver. Exactly. It's just right there.
0: I think the one thing that maybe makes it a little cumbersome is the fact that if he wants to open up his gas tank, he's got to reach under there and flip it off. Yeah. Before he can so fill that's up. It's
1: definitely an argument for keeping it simple. Yeah. In the screenplay for this scene, rather than a switch, he pulls out. A couple of fuses Yeah And presents them Shows them To the gyro captain hmm. As proof That he
0: Disabled the mechanism
1: Disabled the mechanism
0: Okay That's interesting
1: So A little more involved Which would be More annoying When you're just Putting fuel in the tank I wonder If for the going In fuel Like he himself Is putting fuel In the tank If he has like A secret way in
0: <laughs> That's like a, Hidden A A gas
1: that's not booby trap.
0: Yeah. That's possible. That's possible. I haven't even considered that. So, that's very possible. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're going to see Max's plan for getting out of this situation really expand tomorrow, specifically because another player that we have not seen act in this scene comes back into play. So, you have that to look forward to tomorrow. Yes. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham.
1: The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures.
0: Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBautista.com.
1: You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com.
0: And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full.
1: Thank you for joining us for Minute 11 of The Road Warrior. We'll see you tomorrow.